welcome to Strategy Talk where the authors and editors discuss news and events with a splash of history. Our host today is Dan Masterson. Joining him is Jim Dunnigan, well-known military author and the Dean of Wargaming. Also, joining today's show is columnist and author retired Lieutenant Colonel Austin Bay. Welcome Austin and Jim. thought we'd talk a little bit about some of the uh, go moves that China is making. They're uh, expanding out on the map and trying to get alliances in place and uh, building the uh, the empire. Jim, what is their relationship currently with Russia? Uh, how should I put it? Uneasy. The, um, the Chinese are most upset about what uh, Russia is doing in the Ukraine and failing at it. And uh, they ha apparently have not been able to uh, convince the Russians to uh, find some way to back off. Uh, so there is a, how should I put it, a, a temporary schism. They're not cooperating because there's nothing really to cooperate about. China will not send a uh, Russia weapon. They will send uh, Russia uh, technology, which could be used to build weapons. But Russia's production capability right now is, is rather low. So uh, Russia is pretty much on its own, and they don't see that know what they're doing. Austin, let me point out something, though. Uh, they are putting on goes of force together. They, it's not clear that they're actually, when they put their naval forces uh, in, the, in the Pacific together and sail around, it's not clear that they're uh, coordinating air or sensors, sharing information. But they are sailing around on the surface together to... Uh, and with the implication that we would uh, fight together if a war broke out in the Pacific. They are doing that. Um, and that's a type of cooperation. So do the the Russians and the Chinese have a formal, formal alliance right now? Not really. The, uh, they are informal allies. China really doesn't want to get too hooked up with uh, Russia. China at this point is advancing economically in the Central Asian countries where uh, the Russians used to be dominant. But the Russians have nothing to offer. Like I say, they're very much tied up in Ukraine. And so the, the Chinese, uh, how should I put it, are quietly taking advantage of that and replacing Russia as the primary economic resource for the Central Asian uh, countries. So we definitely need someone like this. And... They'll accept China, you know, uh, uh, you know, if the Russians aren't available. And indeed, the Russians have made it clear that one reason they went into uh, into Ukraine was to re-establish re their empire. And their empire used to include those Central Asian states. So the Central Asian states are a little bit leery of, uh, of uh, what Russia is really up to. I mean, the Russians are unpredictable. Uh, nobody expecting to be stupid enough to go and, and try to conquer Ukraine, which they're they're sailing miserably, miserably at. Uh, I don't think Russia expected the uh, NATO nations uh, to pour so much uh, military technology uh, into Ukraine to help them to defeat or at least you know stop the Russians. And uh, that apparently is not going to change. The Ukrainians feel 
that they're on a roll. They're on the offensive right now, and in large part thanks to the Western military aid, including tanks, armored personnel carriers, ammunition, you name it. Uh, High Mars has been a particular uh, advantage because it's got that GMLRS, you know, guided missile, and uh, that is doing a lot of damage to the Russians. And there's not a lot they can do about it. I mean, they have some defensive uh, capabilities, but not enough to uh, really stop uh, the uh, the uh, GMLRS uh, gutted rockets uh, from doing a lot of uh, damage. For example, in the uh, in the Black Sea, the Black Sea fleet has is basically hiding uh, because the Ukrainians are able to uh, to target them. And uh, so the the fleet, what's left of it, is uh, scuttling for out-of-the-way bases and not the major base in Sebastopol. Uh, that's what the Ukrainians are in the process of trying to retake, which would be a disaster for the Russians, but, you know, that's a trap of their own making. Austin, tell me a little bit about the Central Asian countries and what's going on there with uh, China. And maybe remind me of the names. Well, I just some of the more interesting things that China is, is trying to do. You said we were going to discuss their go moves, trying to build little walls around them. All right. In Central Asia, their big gamble was built around, is built around the Belt and Road Initiative, which is an economic development program. It's really a propaganda program, and it's uh, a death trap for nations that get suckered uh, suckered into it. But with the Russian power was already waning, Chinese economic power was trumping anything the uh, Russians, could, Russians could do in Central Asia. So what China is doing in Central Asia is, is in improving transportation, infrastructure, railroads, and roads, uh, airports, <clears throat> the, the joke that you uh, sometimes hear about uh, the U.S. Uh, in uh, in Africa or uh, other devel and developing nations is uh, the Chinese give you an airport, the U.S. give you, the Americans give you a lecture. <clears throat> the, the Chinese are, were, are very indiscriminate about uh, who they are working with, any kind of, uh, and it, it any any government they'll work with them <clears throat> try to buy them off buy off their uh, uh, cro uh crooked uh, politicians and then well China does come in and build some infrastructure I'm talking about the typical operation dam some gets built uh it always looks at least to me as if it's something that the Chinese could use if there was ever a a security emergency where they would have to bring in uh, police or military police or, heaven forbid, uh, the People's Liberation Army. And this Belt and Road Initiative also had a has a seaborne route, which conveniently uh, uh, coming off the Chinese coast in the Pacific goes through the Straits of Malacca and uh, connects to uh, ports, uh, in both West Africa and uh, Southwest Asia, and that includes that includes Pakistan. 
and then the as it was I was describing and it's going uh, by land it's a, it's it's a land route ultimately it was supposed to go or is supposed to go to Iran now I keep falling into the past tense because uh as with many of their associated developmental aid projects in uh in Africa uh the debt is built up to the, to the level that the uh country that has decided to participate in it can't can't pay the money back and the chinese also failed to deliver on what they said they were going to do that's the issue going on in congo now it's also been part of the issue that you see cropping up in some of the uh uh central uh central asian uh, uh countries i also also want to add that they've got a third leg of the Belt and Road Initiative, that uh, because of you know the look to the Arctic on the bet that the Arctic Ocean is going to warm up and you'd be able to send the ships through uh, <clears throat> through the Arctic Ocean and uh, reach uh, Norway. As a matter of fact, they picked out a Norwegian port to be a, a buckle on the northern uh, northern belt. I guess I should say that there's something of a forced uh, <clears throat> route component for the uh, Belt and Road Initiative, and that goes in to the Western Pacific, with uh, specifically uh, Vanuatu. So they've been the, 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 the island that has received a great uh, deal of attention because it's reconsidering its uh, defense relationship with Australia and considering uh, becoming uh, a security partner with China. And of course, that would give the Chinese uh, uh, an air and a sea base that uh, is uh, in the uh, second island chain. And, uh, that would, so they can break out uh, past uh, Taiwan, Japan, uh, and the Philippines. So that's part of when you say that they're making go moves that is uh, a both a combination physical construction and also uh, political and, and one of the things that <clears throat> I think that we ought to mention in here is their use of maps we've seen what they've done in the South China Sea and have been doing with their nine dash line uh, which was really formally implemented as the standard Chinese map, I think it was 2012, but they'd been passing it around before that. They now have added a 10th dash, uh, that was to the uh, end of August of uh, 2023, uh, published it officially, and it's now the standard map of China 2023, and the 10th dash is to the east of Taiwan. And it drops down and it slices off uh, Filipino uh, uh, exclusive economic zone, Brunei, uh, Malaysia, and, and Vietnam, and it's uh, it dips down deep south in the South China Sea with the ultimate goal of uh, intruding on Singapore. That's been what I've been thinking they've been up to for the last 20 years with all their artificial islands. The artificial islands also show up as part of, uh, of, of China. You know, there is 
much China as Shanghai, according to what Beijing says. So that's a that's a legal and uh, it's lawfare to a degree. It's also propaganda, but it's part of the go move of surrounding and preparing the battlefield. That's I think that's the way to see it, certainly because you know, it's sort of a, a diplomatic and economic battlefield as well. Now, Jim, the Chinese are trying to exert more influence into Afghanistan, right? Uh, yeah, but Afghanistan is a little difficult right now because it's uh, not under the control of the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, uh, what the new government calls itself. Uh, and uh, they're probably going to shift some of their interest into Kazakhstan, which is in Central Asia and has oil and gas. And uh, it was always a debate uh, which way the uh, Kazakhs would build their uh, pipelines, uh, to Russia or to China. And now they're leaning towards China. Uh, you know, uh, Russia, when they got mixed up in uh, in Ukraine, they mentioned, <laughs> uh, undiplomatically, uh, that they, uh, once once Ukraine was back uh, as part of the, uh, the heartland, uh, they would go after the Central Asian states, and that includes Kazakhstan. So the <laughs> the Chinese have instant, you know, uh, access uh, to Kazakhstan, which does not want to become part of Russia, and China doesn't want to absorb Kazakhstan. They just want access to the oil and natural gas. So the, the Russians are basically overextending themselves and uh, losing out big time because China is standing by uh, to uh, ex- help those uh, Central Asian states exploit their their natural resources. And, of course, the, the NATO nations are pouring weapons into Ukraine to tie up uh, China's military uh, forces, what's left of them. Uh, and so the, uh, the, the Russians are, don't have a military threat at the time. But when Ukraine, the war is over, uh, and the uh, no, no telling when that's going to happen, but apparently it's going to be sooner rather than later because the Ukrainian offensive is making progress. Uh, the Russians don't seem to be able to stop it. Uh, the uh, the next, uh, how should I put it, economic opportunity is in Central Asia, and the uh, the, uh, the the Chinese, like I say, make a better customer than Russia does. Austin, what's the as as sort of just a side note? The North Koreans and the Russians are talking about transporting arms to Russia from North Korea. Uh, what's going on there? Well, what, what's going on there is that uh, Russia is short of ammunition. And North Korea, you know, I say this as an aside, Dan, I'd be interested in hearing Jim's input on this, doesn't have a good reputation for producing quality munitions. But uh, they've got them. They've got uh, around for you know, classic uh, Russian Soviet uh, uh, weapons, 122 millimeter, 152 millimeter uh, 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 rounds. Uh, they've also got some weapons. They had been developing their own uh, cheap drones. If you, you might recall, um, I'm not sure exactly when I'm doing this on memory, but uh, within the last year, there have been two cases where 
uh, North Korean drones have come across a full, full overflown uh, South Korea trying to do something or you know, test test South Korean uh, reactions. And the drones uh, are supposed to have been uh, manufactured uh, in uh, North Korea. I don't know that that's something the Russians are buying, but they are buying the uh, lousy, what, what are they calling Jim Shaddad? The, uh, ah, the, uh, the, uh, Iranian. the Iranian, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, that, uh, all I know is when you write about it, that's where I learn about it. But the, uh, uh, I don't know the, for sure that that the North Koreans have shipped the Russians uh, those drones, but they've shipped them ammunition. That's one of the things that has been talked about. Open source uh, press. Uh, that's that's what's going on there. Russia is is uh, looking for but something to. Uh, Rebuild its uh, the stockpiles that's expended uh, in the Ukrainian war so far, and North Korea is a it is a resource for that. And of course, to ship it, they have to take it up that rail line and then bring it across the Trans Siberian Railroad. It's a long haul, literally. But uh, there, there's the ammo, and that's uh, I'm sure the North Koreans are happy to get you know whatever the trade is. Probably oil would be my guess, but uh, that's that's what's going on there. Is that a Chinese move? No, not really. No. But the Chinese permit it. Right, right. So North, the, Korea, has, North Korea has greatly in, in, in increased its weapons production. They have clients, as it were, uh, in Iran, uh, Russia, anybody basically who will buy. Uh, now, North Korea is under <laughs> long-term economic sanctions. They're not allowed to export, you know, weapons. So they have to do it furtively. As Austin pointed out, they can they can bring it across the Trans-Siberian Railroad. But that railroad has not been maintained well <laughs> since this collapse of the Soviet Union. So it's tricky. I mean, they can do it. Uh, but it's much better if you can basically ship the stuff out by, uh, by sea. Now, the North Koreans have made a deal with the Chinese where they basically ship weapons uh, furtively, as it were, to China. And then China basically watches them, as it were, and uh, ships them out uh, to customers without uh, restriction. Now, the Chinese are very careful about that, but if they do it carefully, you know, they really can't be nailed for violating uh, sanctions. Uh, the North Koreans seem to feel that now's the opportunity uh, to increase their weapons production. Uh, Austin's quite right. The first shipment of rockets they sent out were old, <laughs> very old. I mean, ammunition doesn't age well. And after, you know, 20 or so years, uh, the propellant has degraded. It's a, it's a, it's a chemical, and chemicals, you know, uh, do what chemicals do. And for ammunition, that means they become less effective. Um, so the North Koreans see there's a market for new ammunition, and they are cranking up the factories uh, to produce whatever they can to take advantage of the uh, maybe only a momentary opportunity. Well, we'll wrap it up there for today, and we'll continue to watch uh, China expand and try to see what the counter moves of the rest of the world will be. Uh, we'll talk to you gentlemen later. All right. Take care. Bye. Take